the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Ali Tunnell, and we're going to be talking about content strategy in 2024, kind of thinking about redoing the old playbook and what's coming next. Uh, a little bit about Ali. Uh, she's currently the executive producer at Sweetfish Media. She spent the last 12 years working in both B2B and B2C marketing for brands like Animals, Oscar Blues Brewery, and BombBomb. Her expertise is in content marketing, but she also is well-versed in product marketing and agency operations. Allie, excited to have you with us today. Uh, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Nate. All right, so just jumping right in, you know, I think it's a, a really interesting topic, good time of year uh, to have this uh, episode come out. So you mentioned um, kind of redoing the standard content strategy template. Uh, let's talk about what the standards, you know, recipe generally used to look like or what it looks like. Yeah. So I worked at Animals in 2021, 2022. Um, and while I was there, I learned from Ryan Law and Devin Bramhall all about um, content strategy, Mark Rogers as well. Um, and like what the basis of a content strategy looked like. Before that, I had been like in-house and um, kind of navigating my own content strategy, but a little kind of off the cuff because I was just in it day in and day out. When you come in from an agency perspective, you're kind of like asking all of these questions, diving deep into goals, opportunities, challenges, competitors, like things mm -hmm. that sometimes people don't have as much time for when they're like in it day in and day out. So I learned like this kind of whole strategy process that I, I use day in and day out. I saw really good results from, and it was, I think it was really helpful to kind of have on a regular basis. So I think that same like, content strategy is still important and in place today. But when I look at it for 2024, what I'm thinking about for the new template is actually more so around the other brands that are also going to be in play. So not just our corporate strategy, you know, and how we talk from our brand's perspective, but also how our podcast you know, speaks a little bit differently. What kind of topics our podcast only specifically covers and our podcast yeah. is become our media brand. And, and that's kind of where we test most of our content ideas and expand them from there. And then it's also, you know, of course, the LinkedIn strategy of our founder, he's pretty prolific on LinkedIn, that's James Carberry. Mm -hmm. um, and then also even me and our CEO, Jeremy Wellman a little bit, like how we intertwine within the content strategy, what topics we talk to, we sometimes talk to different audiences even. And so it's yeah. kind of cool to like make this new content strategy that's actually pretty expansive. And then also the calendar. I didn't even like think about the calendar as I was going through it. But now that I've been executing on the calendar, it's pretty robust, but it's really kind of fun and scientific to get into. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's great. It makes a lot of sense. We actually um, were just talking about that for ourselves, you know, for, for 10 speeds marketing and, our plans for next year. And it was like, you know, it's not any one of these things in isolation. You know, we started um, doing you know, uh, webinars. We're going to be doing more webinars. We have the podcast, we have our blog content and thought leadership. Um, our Substack newsletter has been growing a lot. Um, and it was like, all of these things kind of matter. And then you have like my stuff on LinkedIn, Derek's stuff on LinkedIn, and then other people in the company we want contributing on content and 
I, it's funny you mentioned the calendar because I was like yesterday, I was like, I don't even want to try to put this all into a calendar view. I feel like it would just be so, so much to try to look at and, and fit into tiny boxes, you know, but, but there is kind of that necessity to overlap. So I agree. I think that there's um, some really cool ways to think about that. And then, you know, you know, you could you speak to it a bit more, but like just building off of where people have the expertise, you know, and then like, um, you know, for your founder or you or your CEO or the other folks in the team, like just a lot of opportunities to, once you kind of know that bigger plan, then figure out like who makes sense to do, to do what too. Yeah. It's been really cool because, um, you know, there's so many different people in the buying process too. And sometimes the people within your team can represent different people in that buying process. So Jeremy can represent okay. like founders at smaller companies, um, where I can represent like a content marketer who worked her way from like writing to strategy to leadership. So kind of in the grassroots of things and James is the visionary. So we all have like different roles we play and talk to different people in that process. So we just kind of have figured out what that is for us and we're trying to own it in our messaging. And I think it's really helped because you need that kind of different perspective for each type of content you're creating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what, like, what's some of the, what are some of the things that you've seen in the last few years that kind of has you believing that it's time to kind of make some changes to the, the playbook? Like what are some of the, the things that kind of irk you or, you know, you think are ineffective now? Like what, what's that like? Yeah. I mean, I think my answer here isn't anything like different than what a lot of people are saying, but I think obviously the rise of AI is, has changed kind of how we fundamentally work. I think a lot of people became content marketers based on the fact that they were writers and they loved to write. And mm -hmm. now these people are seeing, well, a lot of the writing we've been historically doing can be replaced by AI or um, made faster through AI. And so mm -hmm. we're seeing content marketers kind of shift into other avenues of marketing and other channels and become experts there. And so I think that that's like actually really fun and a good thing. Like I've always kind of been someone who started as a writer, but stopped really feeling connected to writing. Um, probably because I was day in and day out writing so much. I was so burnt out on it and I was so ready to do strategy. So I got to, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been in my career long enough that I got to get to that point. Um, and so that kind of pushed me sooner, I think, than some other content marketers to be looking at video and creating series and kind of testing out a lot of the things that we're seeing working right now. Um, as far as like thought leadership content, edutainment, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it, it like a lot of people, while I kind of got there just based on burnout, a lot of people got there because of AI and, and the changes that we're seeing there. And um, I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, AI can be embraced and, and used well and effective. Yeah. And I think, you know, creativity, bringing creativity back in our day to day is exciting. And we have that opportunity now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that especially um, just a lot, like I think kind of the, um, I'm trying to remember who I was talking to about this. It might've been with uh, Ramley John, the, um, 
I think there's like, they're not necessarily new things like podcasts are not new, but like, I think there's just been kind of new avenues too, for a lot of folks that maybe started in a writing career or, you know, some sort of content and marketing type of role that, you know, there's opportunities for them to go to a company and do a podcast. There's an opportunity for them to start to do a lot more short, short form video and with like TikTok and, you know, YouTube shorts and all that. And then there's like newsletters and like, that's very much writing, but in a, like approaching it in a very different way and, you know, building the audience there. And so I, I agree. There's some really, I think, interesting ways to sort of, um, uh, um, dispersed people a little bit from just sort of that, that typical writing role or content marketing role within a company. So we run a podcast called B2B growth and we just did an episode on the 2024 trends predictions, which is like kind of in the clouds for me. Like I'm actually a very black and white, like I want people to have something that they can take home and learn from. Um, but our co my co-host like pushed me to go into this, like kind of above the clouds episode. And they were talking about like, you know, the rise of like human interaction in 2024 a lot and some of the um, research we were reading. And I think we're going to see like really cool enhancements to writing kind of in 2024, where we're going to see like more videos popping through more opportunities to mm -hmm. see like a human bubble or like get a voice memo in the process. And I'm excited for like, like the UX and UI of writing coming through and then the video and audio, like helping it move forward yeah. in 2024. Yes. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so with that, I mean, kind of what, what do you think for companies like as they're thinking about the their 2024 strategy, like what do you think that you know sort of the quote unquote new content strategy looks like? Um, just yeah, for them or just you know in general, kind of like experience, like experiments or um, like staple marketing activities you think should still be part of it. Anything new? Like, would love to just kind of understand what you think for for 2024 as companies are thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we've seen historically at Sweetfish is um, James kind of coined this term around content-based networking. And so we had a lot of people uh, using podcasts to talk to target accounts and um, sure. yeah, build relationships, which is a great way to use podcasts. And we still really like stand by that kind of um mentality but some things that we've been trying to incorporate and in, incorporate into our content strategy for our clients is allowing them to still have these like very interview based shows um but really working to find their uh founder or their companies or their vp of marketing or their vp of sales what have you whoever's like an evangelist at their company finding those people and helping them still have unique viewpoints that will show and share in other forms of content. Um, so we're doing like a little bit of positioning work in our strategy development, which wasn't something I did previously um, in my agency experience. We're trying to like help them kind of uncover what's what their thought process is that's different. So maybe that's like taking a list of industry um, beliefs and trying to get their, their counter narrative approaches to each of those and building content around that. Um, sure. so it's, 
it's been a lot of like, you know, okay, take the standard content strategy, do what we're doing. Like I talked about for Sweetfish's brand and B2B Growth's brand, building the media brand, speaking about how they all talk together, but then finding ways to get unique viewpoints in there, developing those unique viewpoints and um, really making them front and center. So it's been fun. Like I, I think a lot in scalability just because I am at an agency and um, mm-hmm. I know my clients are busy and like, if I come at them with this big idea, I might overwhelm them. So how can I just encourage them to take 10 minutes after their podcast to talk about the podcast itself and some individual unique stories that they have that related to something they talked about with their guests. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like the, um, yeah, a couple of different things you mentioned there that I think are really, really strong, really interesting for, for a lot of companies. Um, when you think about experimenting with new stuff, um, like activities, tactics that you kind of build into plans, how do you think about which ones to try? How to you know slot that into stuff that you know is working? Um, different things like that. We'd love to kind of understand how you think about some of the experimentation side of it. Yeah, right now we're testing a lot of things we're using our podcast as like our testing ground. So for 2024, we're gonna try out um, four series that will be run by different kind of faces of our podcast. We have a few hosts that kind of intertwine and come in. Um, So each of us will try something different and it's kind of based around um, who we're talking to and, you know, the goals of that person. So, I think like testing on a small scale for us, kind of for my clients, it comes down a lot to their, you know, their product, their sales cycle, um, what's worked for them in the past, what hasn't. For us, it's like we're we're kind of just trying things experimentally and Mm -hmm. seeing and getting results to help us make decisions later on. Right. So for, for this this year, we're going to try things just based on a lot of positioning work we've already done and a lot of cool. audience development work. So yeah, we're going to just test it out on the podcast on a small scale and see how that kind of expands. We're going to do one series for the podcast that's really YouTube focused. Like we're going to do a ton of YouTube SEO research and try to hope that, you know, we'll see some crossover there. And we're going to do yeah. one that's career growth focused. And the whole goal is to get more impressions on LinkedIn. So, yeah. 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 Cool. And I, um, so I, I like that it's kind of rooted in some like positioning and um, audience development work you've done, stuff like that. So it's not just, hey, I saw someone on Twitter saying this works, we should do this or, you know, whatever. Like there's some good, uh, good fundamental uh, reasoning for doing it. I'm curious, like how, how does it work to test a podcast? Because it seems to me like a thing you have to kind of commit to. It's a big deal. You're going to do it for a while, kind of a big deal to shut it down, but you're talking about testing kind of like multiple things. So like, how do you think about like, what does that mean to test it? And like, what happens if it doesn't work? Yeah. I mean, we'll see, like we, we, I actually come across this a lot with our clients, you know, like um, we've been approaching things with seasons a lot with, with them, you know, we're reevaluating, we're reevaluating their strategy. Like every, 
six months. And that's usually a good time to say like, maybe we try something different for a new season. And that usually like, uh, inspires them and, and, and feels okay. You can do like a quick five minute intro episode to talk about what to expect for the new season and, and make sure your audience yeah. knows. Um, for me to be growth, it's been a very long standing podcast. This is like years and years and years on end. Um, and so I think we're less nervous about it because we've been doing it for so long and we've been in it. But what we're going to do is we're actually planning to have like a quick three minute, five minute, like warning episode for our client or for all of our listeners. Um, and then we're going to do, we're going to introduce, uh, it's going to be bi-weekly episodes basically where we're going to keep our standard format for mm-hmm. our weekly episode, but we're going to let people know that on Thursdays of that week, they could expect a new episode. That's going to be a little bit of a different methodology. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. It could, it could be a lot of content. We've B2B growth though has gone from being weekly at certain points to being bi-weekly to now currently we're just weekly again. So we've kind of done that a lot and we haven't seen like big changes in our numbers because of it. Like our, our, I think our audience has gotten used to the fact that this is our testing ground and we talk about that openly a lot. Mm -hmm. And so they know that it's coming and it's okay. Um, so we, we, you know, we want to help people like feel comfortable with making the change um, and talk about it and, and position yeah. it well. But I don't think, I think this is going to be a fun experiment for us to see, you know, how the series kind of work and how the podcast can be like our main hub for content distribution, you know, like helping us serve so many other areas of our marketing efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that's good. And that's, I think, just helpful for people to understand. Because obviously, yeah, like Sweetfish has a a long history and a lot of experience with podcast management, podcast growth. And um, that's kind of how we've approached it. I just kind of always assumed we were doing it wrong to some extent. (laughs) You know, it was like, uh, we we started on seasons and we did all guest interviews. And then we pivoted and season two was all internal and then uh we dropped the concept of seasons and started doing a mix of both and sometimes it's uh every other week and sometimes it's weekly and uh just kind of you know fluid to some extent based on our availability and plans and so it's always just felt like you know we want to keep doing this but i maybe we're not doing this well um but i guess that's reassuring to hear you here hear you say some of that. And I think, uh, I guess between what you said and, and our experience, like maybe for some folks would take some pressure off and just help them understand, like, it doesn't have to be this, you know, it's not a, you know, national broadcast, you know, scheduled time thing that has to be done and, and committed to, and you can be a little more flexible. And if you need to take a few weeks off and start a new season or whatever, then you can, do that if that's what it takes to make it work for your company and that's what you need to do. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we felt that way about blogs a lot too. Like I remember and, Mm -hmm. and social media at certain points, like I remember being young and, and, you know, publishing on a corporate brand and being like, Oh my gosh, I just posted about that topic. Like three months ago, people Mm -hmm. are going to know, like they're going (laughs) to, they're going to be, 
they're going to catch on and, and, you know, it's going to do so poorly because of that. And we never saw, you know, any change in, in analytics just because we shared something we'd already shared before, you know, but we are so close to our podcast and our blogs and our social media channels. So it takes like us, you know, it's, it's more important to us than anyone else. You know, I don't think our, our users are, are listening to it the way we are. Yep. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is, as much as you feel like everyone's hanging on, on your every word and every post, it's just truly not the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So before we switch over into the, the final four questions that we ask every uh, guest, is there anything else you kind of want to say or, or close out on um, just the idea of the 2024 strategy and, and kind of shifting that playbook a little bit? No, I feel like we, we nailed it. I think, um, you know, I, something else I've been thinking a lot about for 2024 is, um, you know, I personally, I don't know if there, I'm sure there were other marketers out there that felt this way, really labeled myself like a, a product focused content marketer for like the last two years and really like had a lot of pride in that statement. And I'm excited to see, I think in 2024, we're going to see this really cool um, kind of hybrid demand gen content marketer. And um, mm. I'm excited to see what that looks like and how um, we evolve moving forward in our strategy, in our reporting and analytics, and um, how we really kind of work to assist our demand generation efforts um, of our companies moving forward so yeah 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 awesome i agree um all right so same four questions we ask every guest um first question is what's a recent success or learning that you'd like to share um le recently i've been kind of looking into like the podcast microclips we've been making um, and how mine have been performing and what have you. And I've been working with Benji, who's like our host coach, um, mm -hmm. on trying to think a little bit more quick takes. And so I, I haven't mastered it yet at all. I'm still working on it, but the importance of being able to like deliver quick bite-sized takes and thinking in YouTube shorts kind of mentality is it's hard for me, but it's something that I'm going to be working on moving forward when I'm like mapping out my content distribution processes, like in advance when I'm planning my episodes and things like that. Um, so yeah, just starting to like, just speak more in YouTube shorts form is important to me. So I think that's new to me because I've been so B2B heavy, mm -hmm. um, in my career. And um, I know that, you know, B2C has moved to like short form content and as users were looking at short form content all the time, but it's something I want to focus on. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so for your company, what role does content play in the overall strategy? Again, this, yeah, we do this one's typically like, I'm sorry, uh, you know, always a little bit weird for anyone who's more on like, you know, an agency solopreneur kind of side, but um, certainly answer kind of how we see fit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that for us, we've, um, we actually hired a fractional CMO, Garrett Justice, and he's helping us with that positioning work I talked about. You know, we interviewed all our um, clients to kind of 
decide what our strategy was going to be and our website messaging and how we were going to um, generate demand. So um, he helped us nail that down. And now he's also helping us with SEO. So we're, we're refreshing content still and mm. we're creating new SEO content and we're really focused on YouTube content strategy, uh, B2B growth and how it fuels the rest of the company. So we're doing a lot of the, you know, normal channels that a lot of other companies are doing that our clients are doing. Um, but we're just, yeah, we're, we're, we're working just like they are. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then how does your company define success for you and your team? A lot of my success is based around like how my clients are executing their strategies um, and like how they're getting close to their goals and what their experience is like. So I'm consistently making sure that if someone has, you know, a goal of developing themselves as a thought leader, that we're making sure we have these opportunities to get the best sound bites, like I talked about earlier, um, and sharing those in the right places. So just making sure that like we're very aligned with our clients and they're seeing the types of results they hope to see when they signed up for, uh, you know, our services. So, um, you know, of course there's other like metrics around churn and, and things like that. Um, but you know, seeing, seeing the specific posts get better based on their goals is number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one is what's your least favorite marketing conversation happening in social channels right now and why? Yeah, I love this question. I think it's, um, the use of AI, like for top of funnel content. I, I think that top of funnel content should be some of the most important content that you work on right now. Um, just because we have less people in the buying phase of their journey. So we should be like building relationships and are showcasing our expertise and genuinely helping our yeah. audience with their day to day. Um, so just the idea that we want AI alone to just be like the top of funnel content creation process is, is hard for me to grasp right now, but I, I get it. It's just, I think we should all be like really focusing, like all of our efforts should have the same type of care and execution that we're doing with our bottom of funnel efforts. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because we obviously work on a lot of content with a lot of different companies and, you know, across top, middle and bottom of funnel as well. And like that seemed to be kind of the initial assessment early was like, if we're going to leverage AI, you know, to support, it's going to work best on top of funnel content. And then we ended up kind of categorizing and breaking down different types of top of funnel content and sort of drew this line of like, there's actually some where it works really well. Um, they're very like informational and, and fact-based. And then there's some that the top of funnel aspect is much more like the company, like it's not like full on thought leadership, but it is, it does require kind of the company's subject matter expertise and viewpoint and you know, whatever. It's like, just because it's early in someone's journey of like discovering you and your product and buying, it doesn't mean that it's like 
basic and just should just be automated. And so that was interesting that we kind of had to, you know, find that line and say, okay, well, these actually work really well and these don't. And it, you know, the more you, you dig in, you realize like, you can't just slap a top of funnel label on a bunch of stuff and, and they're all the same because they're not. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for joining and, uh, sharing a lot of the insights today. Uh, appreciate you, you doing that. Um, for anyone who wants to check out other episodes, uh, please check out 10 speed.io slash podcast, uh, and please like, and subscribe to get future episodes. And with that, um, Allie, thanks so much for, for taking the time and joining today. Thank you so much for having me, Nate.